to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia. I am the publisher of Seeking Rents. That is a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy in Florida. This is an update from day 38 of the Florida legislature's 2024 session. Um, The session is 60 days. It's uh, and, and this day 38 was basically the end of week six out of nine weeks. So we are, we are, uh, basically officially two thirds of the way through. Um, we're going to talk about a bill today that uh, that I haven't, I don't think we've discussed on this podcast before, but it's a, it is a sweeping piece of energy legislation, House Bill 1645. Um, it's gotten some attention partially because uh, it would um, erase most references to climate change in Florida statutes like um, just as one example, there's um, the state has a long statute laying out just kind of its energy, you know, it's uh, it's it's like statewide energy policy, the thing that's sort of supposed to sort of guide all the rest of the the laws, the energy laws that the state adopts. And it, you know, this legislation will erase any reference to uh, to climate change in in that part of law. Um, but, you know, some of that is obviously symbolic, uh, but this does a lot of like really significant stuff, too, particularly for um the gas industry. Um, for instance, it uh, it strips away a bunch of regulations and oversight of natural gas infrastructure like pipelines and distribution f- facilities. It also um, will make it easier for power companies uh, like uh, Florida Power and Light or Duke Energy to raise rates on their customers to pay for certain kinds of uh, gas projects. At the same time, it, it also makes some changes that will make it harder for local communities to to pressure those power companies into using more green energy sources. Um, but uh, but one reason, one thing that also stands out about this bill is, you know, as I mentioned, we're two thirds of the way through session. So one of the things that's happening is uh, you're this is the time of year you start to really start seeing some pretty wild amendments. It's, uh, you know, they're uh, as committees in the legislature come to an end. Right. The, the movement will soon turn from from meeting in committees to being on floor and actually passing bills into law full time for the last couple of weeks. Um, as committees are coming to an end, there's like this scramble to get language onto bills if it's not already there. And we saw this with this energy bill yesterday where um, they stuck an amendment onto this bill that essentially bans offshore and nearshore wind power in Florida. I mean, that that is a hell of an idea to throw into a bill two thirds of the way through session. Um, although it it clearly fits with the larger theme of this legislation, which is about really supporting the gas industry um, and really sort of uh, rejecting green and uh, and truly renewable energy sources. Um, it also sort of fits with um, with another one of the themes of this year's session, which uh, is man, Florida lawmakers are banning stuff left and right. I mean. They are banning everything from living wages to lab-grown meat. Um, and, and of course, we've talked about this before, they may even ban kids from social media platforms. Um, and, and I'm using that as kind of <laughs> kind of a, a, a clumsy transition to get to the next bills we're going to talk about. Um, House Bills 1 and 3. We've, we've talked about these before, but one of these essentially restricts anyone from under the age of 16 from have from having accounts on social media platforms, at least ones that they have deemed to meet these addictive properties. Um, and you know, in formal debates, they've been careful not to name the the platforms they are targeting with this. But you know, on on Twitter and in interviews, they've been a lot more casual, and it's become clear that they've you know they've repeatedly referenced you know Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, uh, to name a few. Um, so that's House Bill One. House Bill Three uh, is would essentially require 
porn websites to ban anyone under the age of 18. And, and both of these bills require the use of some, some pretty sophisticated age verification software. Um, both of these bills have already gone through the House, um, where they are, by, by all public appearances, like the two top priorities of uh, this year of House Speaker Paul Renner, a Republican from the Jacksonville area, who's in his, you know, basically final final days as uh, as as a legislator at this point um you know this is but but the reason i'm talking about it today is this is also very quickly becoming one of the most interesting political issues of the session too um so so to single out house bill one for a second that's the that's the essentially banning kids from social media bill um that's that's got some like huge potential constitutional problems free speech problems and everybody is aware of it you know the the House and, and you know to his credit, uh, Paul Renner, the House Speaker, can can go pretty de- can go pretty deep into discussing this stuff. So he he clearly is thinking about this stuff. But there are some real challenges about whether or not a law like this is constitutional under the First Amendment. Um, you know, and and among others, uh, the folks who've talked about this is uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, we we talked just the other day about you know. One of the interesting things this session is how much Ron DeSantis seems to be a follower rather than a leader. You know, he's he's essentially taking out a bunch of safe positions that, you know, you know, jump jumping onto things the legislature's doing anyway and and hoping to use that to claim victories. But, you know, the one place where he's, uh, you know, gotten somewhat out on a branch himself or like uh, he's he's actually taking somewhat of a risk is he started sort of hinting pretty strongly that he might veto this bill. You know, he he hasn't said it explicitly. He's left himself plenty of room to walk back. But, you know, he, he said just the other day that, that uh, quote, I don't want to go down the road of doing something that is not going to pass muster legally. Um, so, he, I mean, he's given off a, a real vibe that, that, you know, this thing might be in trouble uh, if it comes through the legislature like it is right now. You know, um, I'm not going to pretend to be in Ron DeSantis's head, but uh, the one thing I'm confident about is uh, is I don't think uh, I don't think it's about constitutional concerns. You know, this is a governor who has uh, shown over and over and over again that he is plenty willing to sign unconstitutional bills. So it it seems somewhat hard for me to believe that he suddenly uh, he's suddenly a strict constitutionalist when it comes to what laws he's willing to uh, to sign, you know, um, and, and this is speculation, but my initial thought was was just that he was trying to like basically invent some bargaining chips he could use with the legislature. Like you know, you you put some pressure on the speaker if that you're not you know you, you might not sign this bill unless the speaker does something else for you. You know that sort of thing, just basic horse trading stuff. You know, it's also probably worth noting that Elon Musk probably has a problem with this bill. Twitter seems to be uh, to match all these all these definitions they they are uh, putting into this bill that that would have to ban kids. Um, and obviously, we all know Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis have so, have some sort of relationship. Given Ron DeSantis made the uh, the ill fated decision to launch his uh, his ill fated presidential campaign on Twitter, but again, all, all of that stuff is speculation. You know, um, uh, if we take it on good faith that that you know he's got some he he might veto this because of he he really might veto this because of constitutional concerns. Um, it. Uh, makes what happened yesterday particularly interesting the senate um which uh which seems to be really taking these bills very seriously as a as sort of a good faith effort to to work with renner um took up both essentially took up both house bill one and three yesterday and combined them into a single bill and that uh to me is just kind of a really interesting strategic step 
because for for all the problems that House Bill One has and all the opposition it's generating um, from First Amendment advocates, from the social media companies, although that seems to be you know being orchestrated from off uh, off stage more than than sort of publicly taking on this bill. Um, but even from you know a lot of uh, a lot of communities that that have found uh, have found safe spaces on social media. I'm thinking particularly the LGBTQ plus community. For for all the folks that are are screaming about House Bill One, House Bill Three, the essentially the porn ban, um, is is kind of sailing through with uh, with pretty little opposition. You know, um, that is not to say the bill is not problematic. I I sort of clumsily tried to address this once before but you know bills like that often seem uh rather than protecting children from porn they seem more designed to shut down these porn websites entirely because you know presumably uh, a lot of porn users are not going to want to like provide a bunch of detailed personal information to these websites and and you know that's fine except you end up driving sex workers further into into the shadows into into less regulated places less safe places and you know sex workers are some of the most vulnerable people in society and you know you you make it harder for them to make a living in in a regulated way um it you 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 expose them to even more potential exploitation there's like there's like real real issues with with that sort of approach to just kind of banning this stuff that said, nobody wants to nobody wants kids watching porn, so nobody is voting against House Bill three. And so, so when you put House Bill one and three together, you you essentially ban kids from social media and ban kids from porn in the same bill. It feels to me like an attempt to to buy some veto insurance here. You know, is Ron DeSantis a guy with like a long track record of signing unconstitutional bills and and even more a long track record of asking for and receiving from the legislature millions of dollars in taxpayer money to spend on lawyers at a bunch of politically plugged in firms uh, to help defend those unconstitutional laws. Is he really going to tank a bill that he thinks is unconstitutional if it also means tanking a bill that would stop kids from going on porn sites, you know? That's a tough veto if, uh, if if it comes to that. So the merging of those two bills is is really interesting and and kind of emblematic of one of the, the the geeky things I've always loved about the legislature is trying to watch the watch the sort of dance and the strategery play out, um, particularly as you get a little later in session. Okay, we're just going to do one last uh, bill, um, and this is another one we haven't talked about. This is a uh, both the House and the Senate version moved forward yesterday. So this is House Bill 789 and Senate Bill 738. Um, and these are bills that would uh, quite literally protect industrial polluters. That That's not an opinion. That is fact. And, and let me explain how. So, so Florida has a law that imposes what's known as strict liability on companies that release pollution into the environment without a permit. And, and we're talking specifically here about ground and water pollution. What that means is a company that uh, that releases pollution into the ground or the water without a permit um, can be sued by anyone who suffers any kind of damages from that pollution, even if the even if the pollution was released by accident. So so you can sue these companies, the the polluter, and you don't have to prove that the company acted like negligently or carelessly. You just have to prove it let the pollution out. If 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 the pollution came from this company, it is liable for the damages. This is a this is an incredibly strict standard, but there's there's a reason we have it because preventing ground and water pollution is incredibly important. We want to make sure that the industrial companies, the the folks that have 
like the actual capacity to destroy land, just, just dirty water, poison people, animals, and plants. We want to make sure that they have every incentive in the world to be as careful as possible with that pollution, right? I mean, this is this is the sort of stuff that causes cancer clusters. Um, but but let me give you an example of of how this law has worked in the past involving one of the state's biggest and most influential industrial companies. That's Mosaic. That's the company that mines phosphate rock in in sort of west central Florida and then converts it into fertilizer at a bunch of chemical factories. Um, Mosaic, that, that, that fertilizer uh, manufacturing process generates this toxic waste byproduct uh, that has to be stored basically on site. It, there's, there's really nothing else you can do with it. There, there, there's actually a couple of toxic waste byproducts and it all gets stored in, in what are called gyp stacks. It's named after one of these these byproducts but um uh occasionally uh some of the polluted water stored in these gyp stacks will get out into the environment like there's a there's a breach and the water gets out um and so a number of years ago and we're talking now you know before 2010 uh, mosaic had a, a breach at one of its gyp stacks that released a bunch of water into a river out near tampa bay and it um it it damaged a fishery that a number of commercial fishermen relied on. That's where they fished for a living, and so those fishermen sued Mosaic on, uh, and and the Florida Supreme Court ruled that this this statute, this strict liability statute, um, makes makes Mosaic liable for damages to to the fisheries to, to the it, mosaic was liable for economic damages to these fishermen um who even though they didn't own the water they didn't own the fish but they made their living off of it so so this uh this law has um has pretty far-reaching effects but so just to bring this back to uh to senate to house bill 789 and senate bill 738 the, these bills would rein this law way back would reel this law in way back so so it would change this um, so that the the liability only applies to damage to, that happens directly to real and personal property. So you have to own some sort of property that is damaged by the pollution in order to sue. So just to use those fishermen, they would not be able to sue Mosaic under this law because they don't own the fish, right? You have to own some property. But even more than that, it also precludes personal injury claims. So, so we use the example, we mentioned the example of a cancer cluster. So now some chemical company uh, causes cancer, releases water, and, uh, releases waste into the groundwater, and it ultimately causes a cancer cluster. They could not be sued under this strict liability provision because uh, it only would now apply to damage to real or personal property. Um, this is one of those bills that's being pushed hard by the um, by the big business lobby. So, so in one of the hearings yesterday, you saw both Associated Industries of Florida and the Florida Chamber of Commerce, both of them testify publicly for this bill. You know, um, and and to get them to actually stand up and go to the mic and say something, get both of them to do that in a hearing means uh, means uh, somebody somebody behind those those uh, companies cares a lot about it. And uh, I will just mention here that. Mosaic is a member of both uh, Associated Industries of Florida and the Florida Chamber of Commerce. Okay, we're going to leave it there. We, we went pretty deep on that last bill. So, um, uh, you know, as always, if you haven't already, please uh, consider signing up for a subscription. Um, 
that'll get our newsletters, our stories, and our podcasts uh, delivered straight to your inbox. Subscriptions are free. Nothing is ever behind a paywall, nor will it ever be. But um, there is an option to pay for a subscription if you can afford one. Um, please, uh, please think about doing that if if it's something you can make happen. Um, those paid subscriptions are really important to help us helping us uh, cover you know reporting expenses like public records requests. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk again very soon. Oh,